Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. in kentucky we get our intro for our qb jalen whitlow he's not here this evening but we got and gershon as always from the cat's paws my name is Vinny hardy and we have a uk pillar everybody knows her from uk sports network the pre-game show with jeremy jarman dusty bonner christy thomas is here this evening. Christy, how are you? And thank you for hopping on here with us tonight. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm a little beat down. I mean, we were talking about that before we uh, <laughs> before we started <laughs> recording this thing. I'm a little beat down, but um, I'm always, always hopeful. I'm the eternal UK football optimist. It's the bane of my existence. Actually. <laughs> you got to be with this program sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you know, I'm one of those that are like, well, how many games are they going to win this year? And I'm like, do you really want me to tell you? <laughs> SEC in Atlanta, baby. I'm like, it's happening. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. And we're, so we're licking wounds, like we talked about, going into the bye. One became two. And just like we talked about before, the, the way it started, we, we thought, okay, we, we're getting this Georgia taste out of our mouth. We're, yeah. we're jumping on Missouri, and mm, it's just – you mentioned that you're on the field. Aaron, you were in the press box. Yeah. Christy, how how helpless was it, the second, third, and fourth quarters, just, yeah. to, just to see it just slip away? It was awful. I mean, you know, and I think it, it felt that way. Really, the first of the game is always really busy for me because I'm coming in from um, – pregame radio and I sort of rush in and I grab the cards and and go through who I'm introducing and what I'm going to be doing. And there's always more introductions in the first quarter of the game than there are any other time. And so, um, you know, usually sometimes I just miss things. And so even that first drive, I was trying to be in tune with what they were doing and I listen to the crowd and then I'll turn and look and see what's going on. And um, I was so reassured by that first drive and that first score, I thought this is really what we had to have. We had to get on the board first and we had to look good doing it. You know, it needed to be a really long sustained drive, which is what it was. Um, Lots of good things happening and, you know, mixing it up. The offense looked great. The running game was on point. And so I thought this is, this is all right. This is good. Um, So that first quarter, the crowd was great. I mean, you know, everything was really, it was really going well. And I'm telling you, it was that, that fake punt call from Missouri that they scored on was, first of all, I thought it was a really gutsy call. It was the right Absolutely. call, obviously, since they scored. But um, I just thought it was so gutsy at that point in the game and really something that was Missouri needed something. Our defense was really um, was handling them in that first quarter. And so I just thought that was something they really 
needed and um and boy did they get it and you could absolutely feel the life just get sucked out of the crowd at commonwealth and or, listen to me i just said commonwealth oh, it's, uh, it's one in the same <laughs> uh, it, was, it was one of those things that literally was you you just sort of you felt it you saw it you yeah. think it was horrible and then you thought well you know we'll see what this team's made of because you know you know this this offense is good and they hit, they really weren't clicking just yet. And um, it just was, they just couldn't recover from that. And so I feel like more of what we've seen out of them in the, in these two losses has been more mental than anything. And I think that's what bothers me the most about yes. really is just this whole idea that it's this mental, these mental issues that they just, um, you know, I'm looking for some team, I'm looking for some leadership. I'm looking for some player led things to help them get past that kind of stuff because there's only so much coaches can do in that regard. That's right. Yeah. Um, and AG, as we all heard on the, the coach's show, they had a meeting with themselves. So you talk about some player led <laughs> things that may come from that. We'll, we'll see on the 28th. Yeah. They got to figure something out. I mean, and obviously the penalties is, I mean, it's unreal. It was, what was it? 14 for 122. Uh, and with some of the drops in there, you know, that took, I think it ended up being more penalty yards than passing yards. So just an embarrassing stat. But for me, like that game covering it, this is what I think you're six for me on this beat. So not that long, but you know, long enough where I've seen a lot of games. And this was like one of the more shocking ones, not because they lost. I mean, Missouri's having a really good season and oh, yeah. they, they're a much improved team from where they were at even a year ago. But from the fact that they jump out to that fast start where both all three phases, you know, special teams didn't have to do much, but at least offensively and defensively everything went right you like christy you were saying they have a long scoring drive uh on the touchdown they started the game with a three and out where they just yes. I, I don't i don't even remember if uh, missouri gained a yard uh, i mean they uh, i know deon walker to sack i think uh and that one or tfl or something it looks and then the pick for maxwell harrison you drive down you score again it's like okay like they're gonna do what they did to florida yeah uh, but and two the one thing in this game I thought Devin Leary played pretty damn well. He had the two picks late, but, you know, that's desperation time. You're doing too much. But, you know, the drops by Anthony Brown, Steven, take on him too much as a freshman. But those two plays uh, think the game. And it was shocking in the fact, too, that Luther Burton, uh, who comes to, uh, into this game leading America in receiving yards, second in catches, yes. two catches for 15 yards. You yes. shot down. Brady Cook, season low uh, passing yards. Uh, Cody Trader, the running back, who's the uh, second in the SEC behind Ray Davis in rushing yards, lowest average yards per carry this season, and you still lose by 17. I mean, it was just a shocking result for it to all those good things to happen you still get beat down. So uh, this is going to be a tough one to recover from. It's good that there's a bye week. Uh, so, you know, you see what Mark Stoops said with the players-only stuff. Hopefully that, that works. He sounded pretty upbeat at practice today, so maybe that's a good sign that you know, they're having a pretty good week. He's usually, yeah. he, he has struggled hiding his emotions. You can pretty much tell. Where <laughs> yeah. Because I remember going into the George game, he was very quiet that week. There wasn't much pep in his step during the press conferences. It was like, okay, he might know something's up. And I thought last week was, he was kind of in between and it kind of resulted in exactly that because they did put some good things on tape, but did a lot of bad. And then this week he, he seems to have a good pep in the step. So maybe they'll figure some things out this week, change some things up schematically, but uh, that, that was as tough of a loss um, from a uh, high and low and all the different emotions uh, that I've covered in these last six years here. 
You know, I think some perspective that we got from him about that Georgia loss the following Monday in his press conference was um, that he he was not pleased with their week of prep no. at all. And so, um, you know, we talked about that on our pregame show on Countdown to Kickoff, you know, where um, it, it is mundane. You know, Dusty and Jeremy talked about that. That week in and week out, doing the same thing every single week as you get ready, um, you know, for a game is very mundane. And sometimes it's boring and some, you know, all these things, which I think goes back to the mental prep that we're talking about. It goes back to all that, that you've got to figure out how to stay locked in. You've got to figure out yeah. how to stay, you know, who is players know this is coming, you know what this is about, you hit week six and you're like, Ugh, here we go again kind of thing. And, um, you know, we, we talked about that. If you, if you played anything, you, you know that, you know that practice is a drag. You know that those things, you know, really start to, to um, wear you down in a lot of ways. But you also know the, how important it is to get you ready for that game. And so um, he, he obviously was disappointed in their prep for Georgia where you had yeah. the exact opposite listening to how Georgia prep for the week with Kirby smart brow beating him to death about how they're not very, you know, Kentucky's better than you. So, um, you know, it, it's, that's where I say the player led stuff has to come in. And I, that's why I adore them for having a player only meeting yeah. you know, I played ball at Camelsville. Oh, wrong way. Camelsville university. Um, and we, we used to do the same kind of thing, right? I mean, you know, things aren't going well and, and you're, you're, you know, you're trying to figure it out and you're frustrated and everybody gets frustrated. You, get, you sort of bicker and you're fighting with each other. And, um, you know, you sometimes you have to just clear the air. You have to have that moment where everybody says whatever it is they want to say. They get it off their chest and then you can kind of wipe the slate clean and move on. And to that end, if that's what this team can get done in order to, to salvage this so that it's, you know, we, we talked about that as well, too. One turns into two, turns into three, turns into yeah. a disappointing season. And to start out five and oh. I mean, you just can't have that happen. And Mitch talked about that last week, Mitch Barnhart on our show as well, too, saying, you know, we're we're beyond or we should be beyond just getting ourselves to six games so sure. that we can qualify for a bowl. We've, we've, we're beyond that. So and I, you know, I, I agree with him that, you know, we, we're if for one minute we're talking about playing for first place in the SEC East to now talking about can we even salvage this season? And that's just too much of a swing. And, um, you know, you're messing with my emotions, what you're doing. You're just playing with me. I can't take it. <laughs> no, I, I think I, I, you make a really good point, too, about the frustration. And Mark Stoops yeah. said today where – and I, I agree with him 100%, by the way. He said, I don't think this is a selfish team. I, I agree. I think the penalty yeah. – and because when you have all these penalties, especially – I don't know how many unsportsman likes it was on Saturday. I think it was four or five. It was unacceptable, but I don't think they're selfish penalties. I think they're frustration penalties. They're yeah. hitting guys late because they get knocked back on some of these plays. Like the defensive line has played awesome outside of the Georgia game. I thought they even played well in this one against Missouri. I mean, look yeah. at traders rushing yards. They weren't good uh, compared to the rest of the season. And there's frustration when those results aren't happening and they're taking yeah. it out uh, on other uh, on their opponents. And the problem with that is you, you're giving them 15 yards. And really the story of this game, again, I, I went through all the stats on Mizzou. The reason you lost this game outside of the self-inflicted, outside of penalties is the field position. And part of that is the penalties. Uh, the punting was terrible, but you're letting, you literally, Missouri had their three top things not working for them, but you gave them a short enough field where they were able to do other things to find the end zone and have success. And that, that it comes off as selfish, but I really think uh, these guys knew, hey, like we're doing a lot of the things right. 
you know, we're holding them down. Their offense has been this juggernaut all year. They're not having success and we're still not getting results. So let's go cry about it and take it out on them. And uh, that's kind of what happened. And so I think maybe this player's only meeting where you can kind of call some things out, say, Hey, like, you know, I get it. Like we're playing pretty well, but we're not getting results. At least I thought for the, you know, they did a lot of good things in the Missouri game and kind of killed themselves more so than Missouri killed them. Maybe you have that conversation and can kind of get back on track. I mean, there's just got to be some sort of accountability. It can't all come from the coaches. It has to come from within. And I think I, I, I will say this from talking to these guys now, you know, since, since the spring, this group is much more accountable, much more mature than the one we saw last year. I won't name names, but there wasn't a lack of accountability I sensed last year. <laughs> I, I don't see that. I don't see that when I talk to these guys. So, you know, we'll see how this meeting does and how it translates. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the penalties. And um, as far as the Zion Childers thing, the second guy always gets caught. So um, he, he threw it. the ball at you. Yeah, he baited you. Just you took the it. bait. So it doesn't yeah. matter that he threw it. Well, he threw it first. I know. They didn't see that. They saw you react. Yeah. That's that's a. I, I saw Jack Pilgrim. I think talking about. So it's okay for him to do it. It's a tradition no. of all this time. If, yeah. if Christy, you play and look. I didn't say it in the intro. Aaron Christy is a certified. Hooper. Oh no! I know. She's a Hall of Famer. I should have said I, I, all that. I, I, I worked next to Dick Gabriel every day for three years. Oh, I know it man. all. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's my guy. Yeah. yeah, mine too. I love him. You somebody subtly elbows you, Christy, and then you haul off and you demonstratively. You're. I mean, you're the one teed up, and you're the one like what that. So that's classic. It's, Zion took the bait. Oh, hundred percent. And and you know what happens too? Then is is the second person that, you know, if, if someone elbows me and I will elbow them back, um, this, my dad was a football coach too. And he used to actually preach this. I used to hear him talk about this in practice all the time. And he would say it in huddle, you know, in the huddle at games, he, he coached at Campbellsville university, he was defensive coordinator down there. And he would say, you know, if somebody let's, let's put on an acting job, let's, let's, let's do it. Right. And so you see those guys that flop and they fall. it works. <laughs> Look at Tayshawn Man- or was it Tayshawn Manning last year? Oh my 100%. God. That was it awesome. Works. It's oh. awesome when it happens to the other team (laughs) it works so if i'm gonna email if i'm gonna you know elbow somebody next thing you know they're gonna lay out like i've just you know cut their leg off and Mm -hmm. oh it always yes you just can't you just can't and and i think that's the thing too you know the penalties are something that i think are mind-blowing for me and and i i think it's just because um I want this team to be more disciplined than that. And I do, I agree with you, Aaron. I do think it's, it's this level of frustration that is they're just trying to figure it out and they just want to do well and they want to play well. There's no doubt. Um, But when I think, when I looked at the penalties in the Georgia game, that that was almost even, that was an almost, almost a wash in terms of stats, the number of penalties they had, the number of penalty yards. And so I'm thinking to myself, why did it feel so much worse for us? Right. Because Georgia's really good. (laughs) Georgia was in our butt, but, but I, I think it felt so much worse because I I felt like our penalties were at the absolute worst possible time. Absolutely. And they were such they were such a draining type of thing. I mean, Absolutely. you know, at, at, so there's never a good time to get a penalty, but at the same time, there's also a really horrible time to get a penalty. You know, so it's <laughs> um, 
And, and that's been a trend all year, not just the Georgia game. You go back to the Akron game even. I know that yes. they're going to win it. But Anthony Brown-Stevens, you hit him over the top, you get that 64-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden, if that play counts, you have confident. the confidence is growing with Devin Leary, the confidence is growing for that kid. Holding takes a bat. Like, that has been an Unreal. issue all season. Awful. It's just – that really set the tone, honestly. I mean, you know, for kind of how this thing was going to go, but – um yeah, so it, but I, you know, I do admire them for that for the players only. I mean, you know, yeah. another thing, you know, Vinny, we've all been there, you know, and done that and realized that that's going to be, you know, the best case scenario for us to try to turn things around and figure some things out. And you, there are times you want to talk about things together that you don't want your coaches to hear and that you don't need your coaches in on. Um, and I, you know, that's part of it for me is, you know, in the Lynn Bowden days, Lynn Bowden was that guy that you're like, let me, if there's anyone who's going to will us to a win and will refuse to let us lose, it's that guy. I'll put Absolutely. my money on that guy every day of the week. And I don't feel that from anybody on this team. I think there are a lot of guys to your point that are very unselfish and, but, but you're looking for someone who's like, I'm the dog, give it to me. Let's go. I'm the alpha and and the one who is willing to sort of take that on and, you know, and will your team to a win. Yeah. And I'm not sure who that is for this uh, team. You know, I think, I think my opinion, it's Deion Walker, but the problem is he plays a position where that's not yep. going to, it's not going to be like the impact of a Lynn Bowden yep. or a Lynn pack that it, maybe Devin Leary could make for the quarterback position. Yep. It's just, could be I, Ray I, Davis. It he, could be. He, he, ball enough he didn't get the ball a lot and the game wasn't out of reach to abandon yeah. the run but i'll tell you what they started loading the box and kentucky you've got to throw you've got to capitalize and i think and i think some of that too you got to look at that this is my two things with the coaching the only gripes i have is one just quickly to wrap up the penalties with guys when you have guys in positions like Khalil Saunders, for example, he had two, the two penalties in one play on the two-point conversion that ends up giving them another chance and they get it. Uh, he was losing his mind about something else like two plays before that. Get him off the field. Calm yeah. him down. You yeah. have bodies at D-line. I get like if Barry on Brown has one of those, you can't take him out because you don't have depth there. But you have depth at the D-line. Like Khalil right. Saunders shouldn't have been on the field for yeah. that to happen. But uh, yeah. the other thing is, you know, I agree, Vinny. Obviously, they went away from him. You could get them involved throwing him the ball, do other things. But Spring uh, game. Yeah. But you look at Devin Leary's success at uh, North Carolina State, and where he thrived is in the intermediate passing game. Like 10 to 19 yards, he was money. Uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC every year he started, if not the best in that category. And this year, they've taken a lot of shots. They're not working. It's seven games in. Maybe you're just not going to be the offense that can chuck it like Tennessee did last year. Mm -hmm. Like, And that's okay. And you look at early in this football game, they're throwing short to Demi Sumo, Karen Jabe, and getting him involved. They're through. I mean, Dane Key had a play over the middle of the field. One got called back because of a stupid penalty, but the other they succeeded on. There were plays where it was like, okay, like that's where Devin Leary thrives, and he was having success. The play to Jordan Dingle that set up the touchdown to Anthony Brown-Stevens a few plays later. Like they were doing things that I think clicked for Devin Leary, and I yeah. think that it's taken a little too long uh, for Liam Cohen and the offensive coaching staff to kind of make that adjustment. The wide receivers, I think Dane Key's played a lot better the last couple of weeks, but Barry on Brown's having a tough year. He's banged up. Tavion Robinson's hurt right now. He's playing through stuff. Like you need to make that adjustment and know what you're working with and whether that's running the ball more and finding ways to, you know, get around those, uh, those loaded boxes or just throwing it shorter, make Devin Leary comfortable. And I think, you know, Mark Stoops said today without giving up too much away that they are looking at some schematical changes and I'm hoping that's what he means. I just think sometimes like it's seven games like that, the, the one that kills me. And I think it's been talked about a lot 
is you take the lead 14 to nothing, you can kind of have a slow drive and maybe even if you score a field goal, you're up three possessions. First play of that drive, they try a kill shot to Barry on Brown and misses by like four yards. That play hasn't worked all year. Like, don't do it there. Like, yeah. you're trying to bury them. You don't have to do it in one play. You can chew some clock and really hurt them, and you get the ball at half. And it's like, what are we doing here? And, you know, then they go three and out. Uh, they get the ball. Missouri gets the ball back, and that next drive is the fake punt. And then the next drive, you're behind the chains on third and nine. You throw a bullet to Anthony Brown-Stevens. He drops it. Like, it was just – it just feels like the adjustments on the offensive side of the coaching, which is hard to believe with how well Liam Cohen did here t- uh, two years ago. Um, it's been a little too slow for my liking to kind of adapt to what you've got. And I think that's hurt this team. I, I would totally agree. And I, th- that's the thing that the word that Dusty Bonner, who I think, by the way, is one of the more underrated mm-hmm. quarterbacks who ever played at Kentucky, yeah. um, that the word that he uses all the time, and he says, I know you'll get tired of hearing it, hearing it but it's true, is rhythm. Yes. A quarterback loves nothing more than a rhythm. And he was like, even if your first – you know, uh, completion is you, you gain zero yards. I don't care. It was complete. Everybody caught it. We're good. Okay. Now. And he said, and then you really do start to settle into a rhythm. And he said, that's what it's all about for a quarterback is getting into a rhythm. And to your point, Aaron, they just have never been a, I don't think Devin has ever had the opportunity to kind of get into that rhythm. We saw all that happen with Missouri's offense. Yes. Said methodically, it was like, oh, well, here they go. Yeah, just boom, 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 as they marched their yep. way down the field, even though they had great field position. But they just marched their way down the field. They made the adjustment because Luther Burden wasn't, you know, they were do- yep. Kentucky did a great job on him. They said, screw it. We'll throw it to Weiss. We'll throw it to Schrader. They <laughs> found different ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've said from, and I, I talked an awful lot in, in commercial breaks, actually, with Dusty and Jeremy about the lack of targets for our tight ends it's ridiculous it is really mind-blowing and listen i get it (laughs) these guys are excellent blockers they're big guys that know what they're doing they have high iqs i love all that i love all that but i've said to your point if you want to get into that intermediate game why would you not involve these guys who have just shown you that they can catch (laughs) passes jordan dingle had a huge a huge fumble right i mean a big 40 some yards it's still a 59 yard play but i'm like so yeah. I, but I'll forgive him for that. I will absolutely, absolutely. forgive him for that. So I'm, I just am really – it is mind-blowing that they've got the talent that they have in that room and they just have not utilized it, to your point exactly, yeah. that maybe if you know if, you're, if your wide receivers aren't catching the ball, your tight ends will. So Yeah, and with the tight end, every time they've gotten the ball this year, they, like Brendan Bates, both of his catches were 15 and 16 yards. Uh, Dingle makes that – the play we just talked about, and even Mark Stoops wasn't too mad about that fumble because his intention was – no, like he was yeah. trying to tuck that ball. The defender made a hell of a play from after tip your cap. And then in this game, he, he sets them up, you know, for that touchdown on that 31 yard play. And then Josh Caddis says, I think three catches and two of them were touchdowns. Like every time those guys have touched the ball, good things have happened. I'll yes. never and Isaiah Cummings hasn't even caught a pass yet. I can't believe like we're game seven after last year when he had didn't have the area he wanted, maybe didn't get along with Rich Scangarillo, whatever happened. He didn't have the area he wanted. He, he, I mean, when I, I don't know, if, Christy, if you were at the um, open practice in August, the fan day practice, mm. I thought he was one of the best players on the field, like offense, defense. I thought he was playing as good as anybody. And I cannot believe yeah. we are in game. We're going into game eight and he doesn't have a catch. His first touch was last week on a run. Like that is to me, that's inexcusable. Like there's ways to get those guys to ball. It's funny too, that 
that y'all mentioned Tennessee, of course, they'll be coming in here, you know, week after next. Um, I was listening to a station out of Birmingham, you know, uh, I think it was Mac- McElroy and Kublik, Colin, yep. Colin Gregg. But they had former Vol on Jason Swain, who played, you know, receiver for them. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee's offense isn't doing what it did last year. And they asked him, you know, why. And he says, um, because, you know, they had like seven points in the second half against A&M and, and yeah, a, right. punt, a punt like got them going and yeah, the punt gave them the lead. And he said, well, when, when we throw it to them, they drop it. And when they're open, Joe's not very accurate. Or when they do hit a play, there's protection issues. You can like carbon copy everything he said. And we're saying the same thing up here. Mm. And they're mad down here in outside of Knoxville about the same things. They're not catching passes. Right. Joe's not accurate. When you do hit a pass, you get holding or you got protection issues or something. So they're down there with the same conundrum as as we are fussing about it here right. in Kentucky. Crazy. But Vinny, one thing that they're doing that Kentucky needs to do is they're adjusting. If you look at their rushing offense, they're number six oh, in the yeah. country. They're running the, like the, they are said. The they remind me a lot of Ole Miss last year, where Ole Miss in 2021 was this, you know, with Matt Corral. They're throwing the ball all over the yard, and I think they had the number one passing offense in the country. And then the next year, with Jackson Dart settling into the SEC, it didn't really work out. All right, we'll just run the damn ball. And they ended up with an amazing rushing offense. And that's kind of what Tennessee's doing. And I think with Kentucky, no, I'm not saying they need to become grounded pound like we saw for years, but I'm just saying they need to adjust to their strengths like Tennessee has. Or some even Alabama a little bit has found a little bit of a rhythm on offense because they're realizing, okay, our success is going to be rolling Joe Milton out and taking those occasional shots. And Joe Milton's an excellent down the field passer, and that's what's working for him as opposed to those intermediate game so it's a game of adjustments it really is and uh just feels like kentucky's late on those adjustments compared to everyone else never mind the fact that you've got a mid-season all-american back there in the back yeah that too like you could run them more too (laughs) give them 25 touches a game like there's Uh, no reason and the other running backs ain't bad either yeah well you mentioned that Vinny too like where did that go? Where, where, yeah. why, you, why are you not giving this guy? Right. You're like, okay, look, nothing's working in the past. I don't, we're just, just get this, get, hand the, the ball to him every and, day. And, <laughs> and, and Aaron, and you said, well, Missouri loaded the box. You think Tennessee doesn't get heavy That's boxes? Right. So, well, absolutely. I mean, no, you're not right. wrong. And, and what, you can look run at the boxes. Look and at the I boxes even, Lynn Bowden got. Everybody oh. knew he was running. Yeah. So, and you can run out, and you can run outside <laughs> zone. You can, I mean, look, one of their longest plays. Every game, it feels like, as they run an end around to one of the receivers. Like, Barryon Brown has struggled to catch the ball, but one thing he's done well is those end around. So, mix those in. You just I gotta... got fired up about that one. I'll be honest. Yeah. That was coming right, right at me and on my hand. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at us. Yeah. I was like, what? I mean, the first quarter, Liam Cohen, I thought, called his best game of the year. And yeah. a lot of that, too, uh, Vinny, to your point, was because they were running that thing. And Devin Leary was even taking off and making plays on the ground. So, yeah, you got to play to your strengths. And it just feels like, Kentucky has not done that, which is to me is outrageous. Like, why? Yeah, you're like, what are what is what is all of a sudden somebody just flipped the switch off and everybody's like, nah, you know, and and just quit. It was bizarre. It was really even and you got to execute too because it as as much as of a struggle as everything was. I I feel Liam called a good game too because he was. He was probably like, "What do I do?" What I thought the nothing, Georgia game he called even better. Nothing's I thought, working. Yeah, and to still go up twenty-one twenty after the life got sucked out yeah. and after you could feel it slipping yeah. away, I felt he was kind of really 
really digging deep yeah. into his bag to to find something. Yeah, I thought he called a great game at Georgia, and that was more execution. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the third and yeah. sixteen play, the first guy. There were so many well designed plays that didn't work, but this game, yeah, I thought he was in his bag the first quarter. Uh, that one drive you mentioned there, Vinny, was a really good, well designed drive, but there's just been too much of like trying these deep passes and just praying it works. And the, really the only game it ever worked was Vanderbilt. And that's because Vanderbilt's defensive backfield's terrible yes, and hurt. So like yeah, it just, it, that's the only reason it worked. So it, it just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like I even thought in some games late last year, when Kentucky finally realized, okay, our offensive line's a problem. We got to just figure out a way. They put the ball in Will Levis's hands. like at the Missouri game and he made plays. Uh, against Louisville, he made plays like they figured out what worked for them by the end of the year. And, you know, hopefully I, I think Liam Cohn's a better offense coordinator than Rich Scangarillo. And he's smart enough to figure that out. And I'm thinking with Mark Stoops' comment today about the schematic change, like maybe we're thinking the same thing and we'll finally see something different uh, next weekend. How different do y'all think the dip chart may or may not be? With just by week to self scout and evaluate and all that. Let me tell you what I hope I see on the depth chart in uh, two weeks is Kenneth Horsey back on the thing. I'm like that. Yeah. that <laughs> it was good to get him back. That dude back. I mean, I'm like every week. I'm, I'm thinking, please let this be the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> please let this be the one. And um, but so I, my hope would be is that a guy like that is healthy and can get back on there in a you know in a big way. So. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like if if some changes hadn't been made up to this point in in big key mm. positions, that it's not going to be. So I don't. Yeah. I don't anticipate seeing anything wacky, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I think. Up. I think you don't. At wide receiver, you just don't have the bodies to shake anything up. Unfortunately, like you lost six guys in the transfer portal, where only really one of them is making an impact elsewhere, and that's Chris Lewis. But still, you lost six guys. That, uh, Mark Stoops was asked about Shamar Porter, the four-star from Nashville, uh, on his radio show Monday, and it didn't seem like he's kind of ready for a role yet. So I think the guys are who they are in the receiver room, and that would be the room that probably needs the most personnel change, and it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I, I don't know how much you can do from a personnel standpoint, but I don't want to keep saying it, but you definitely can from a schematic well, standpoint. Well, and you know what? So here's the thing that, you know, I, and I understand – my thought is you're like, okay, we've got some real deep threats, right? I mean, you've got a guy sure. like Andy who's got great size and great hands. And then you've got a guy like Baron who just is a playmaker and all that kind of stuff. So my, my thing is, is I trust these guys in that intermediate game to get yards after catch. I trust these guys to get yards after contact. I trust these guys to have the speed to turn a an eight-yard catch into a 22-yard gain, right? I mean, right. I, I trust these guys to do that. So I think that's where – Maybe I don't really fully understand the game plan when I'm like, I get it. We're trying to go 40 yards downfield to make the big explosive play. But I I trust those guys to, to do more of that intermediate game Absolutely. and then turn it into an explosive play because they can. I mean, they're athletes. Yep. They can do – they're fast. My God, Barion is is wicked fast. So my thought is, is like, you know – and and this is you know this is like this is like when you're a shooter, and you you cannot hit anything from the, the foul line. It's like a baseball player who's struggling to hit the baseball. What do you do? You go back to the tee. If you're a Absolutely. basketball player, what do you do? You're like okay, nothing's hitting from the outside. I'm going to bring it into the paint. I'm going to shoot. Yep. You know, like this is what you do. So so these guys are struggling to catch the ball. Why not just go into that short intermediate game and give them an opportunity to gain back some confidence? Leary gets confidence. They get confidence. The offensive line gets confidence. Everybody, this builds for everybody. 
And then, you know, and, and I, again, I trust those guys to be able to go make something happen. And even if you just picked up five yards on first down, that's. Oh amazing. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're living in third and long. I think yeah, they're av- their average third down play is like three, seven something. So it's just ridiculous. And yeah. I mean, Dane key, like the middle of the field routes, those curls or whatever he's running in the middle of the field, he's getting open and making plays the last couple of weeks. I love that dude there. I love yeah. that guy. Yeah. Just leave him there. Yeah. And Barry on, like, I, I did ask Mark Stoops about Barry on today because I'm curious with all these injuries. The one thing I've noticed with him, and they, they, I think they did make a little bit of an effort in the Missouri game to hit him on those short passes. He's not making guys miss this year, and I'm, I'm a little concerned it's that injury. And Stoops yeah. was like, I'm not, not going to make excuses, but yeah, he's banged up. So I'm thinking that might have something to do with it. But Tavion Robinson, he's not as fast as Barry on, but he's not that far off. Like, try it with him. You just got to get the guy. He's a big, just, strong yeah. guy. Yeah. You don't need to make that big play. And honestly, the way Mark Stoops likes to win games is kill the clock. So why are you trying to limit your possession? Just run the ball, get yeah. that defense tired. It worked perfectly against Florida. I'm not suggesting you want to have 69 passing yards again, but <laughs> 20 passes and how many ever rushing yards like that right now, as you get this uh, offense back on track, like that's fine. And you know what, Tennessee, uh, we'll get up, you know, we'll get to them later, I guess uh, next week, but you know, they're a really stout run defense and great pass rush. You're going to have to throw the ball yeah. and you have to throw the ball somehow. And I just think it's going to be more so in the intermediate game than deep shots. I agree. I like the fact that they go to Tuscaloosa before they come to Lexington. I don't, I mean, that helps. that's in our it favor. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Physical game at Alabama. And yeah. Then I think play they played a rested like, physical Kentucky team. I, I like that part of the schedule. Yeah, they played a cupcake game the week before last year. Tennessee didn't. Kentucky to buy though. Kentucky, they got to win after a buy. They haven't yes. done it. When's the last time they won? I know they won after the buy in 2019 against Arkansas. It was an early buy that year. I can't remember the last time they won after a buy since. So uh, I'm sure Mark Stoops has looked into that a lot and is trying yeah. to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. He gets asked about that a lot. Yeah. So yeah, he hates uh, that question. But you know what? We're gonna keep <laughs> asking until we figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of questions he hates. Yeah, yeah, there are. There are. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, just got to get, like, a signature. That, that'll shut it up. We talked about it the other day because the, the stat about winning cures beating yep. SEC teams that hadn't had a winning record. Mm-hmm. When you, you go out and beat a Tennessee when they're good, they might not be as good as last year, but they're still going to be solid. That'll, that'll quiet a lot of that stuff down. And, Every you know. time they beat Tennessee, it quiets things down. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. Tennessee's been beating them when Tennessee's bad. So, yeah. If you well, get that's, this part win. Of it. that's part of the problem, right? I mean, there's always been that one game. I said, you know, it, so this is Mark Stoops' 11th year. And there's always been that one game that you're like, well, he we just laid a big fat egg right there. Yeah, and, maybe. and I don't even consider that to be the Georgia game. I know we got beat. Really I think it's the Mizzou there. game. Yeah. But I don't even, yeah. So I don't even consider that. That's why I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for that year that we get over laying the egg. Yeah. That, you know, there is no yeah. egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to get even harder with the scheduling because next yeah. year, <laughs> that schedule is brutal. That makes me nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to, that's a tough one, especially the way Texas is kind of turning things on. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pivot real quick because, Chris, you already mentioned that your dad was a football coach. Mm. I've talked with you before. And if I remember right, you said that. You were like his little linebacker that he didn't have. You pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> hard. I was his only child, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be the boy, you were his little linebacker. Yeah. So, yeah, considering all the linebackers that, that Kentucky's had, Kentucky's had some good linebackers come through here over the years, 
uh, you know, Danger Vathan, Wesley Woodyard, you name it. Who, which linebacker jumps out at you the most? Whose game do you like the best? If you were a linebacker, who would you have been? <laughs> if you could be your dad's linebacker. Yeah, right. And well, that's a loaded question. I'll tell you what probably is reminiscent of the kind of basketball player that I was, whose game kind of, um, I would say sort of mirrors each other. If you were, if he, if he were to be a girl playing basketball might be like me um, okay. and, and vice versa. It's probably Wesley Woodyard. And I, and I think just from a standpoint of Wesley was a very vocal leader. I was as well too. Um, Wesley was that fiery kind of player. I was that as well too. Wesley was the guy that would kind of sacrifice whatever it was. Like I'm the one taking charges and, and diving into the bleachers to get loose balls and that kind of thing. And part of that is because I, a lot like Wesley, I, you know, I was not, um, the tallest or the strongest or the most athletic. Um, so I knew that in a lot of ways, me playing hard and playing with passion and with heart was going to make up for some of that. And I feel like that was Wesley as well, too, even though, you know, I know Wesley played professional ball, but you know what I'm saying? So um, it, it, I think Wesley was built differently than somebody like a Danny Trevathan or, you know, whatever. So, um, but I, but so I'd say probably Wesley. And, and I think that's it. I just, um, I liked his demeanor on the field. I liked how he sort of commanded a presence in the huddle, um, you know, with these guys and, and was, um, you know, we've all heard the stats about him being a captain and, and even that, that even went with him into the league. And, you know, there's really some level of, um, of respect that players have for you when they, when they will continue to do that and they continue to want you in a leadership role, because a lot of times people can get a little tone deaf to that and they mm -hmm. kind of, you know, they, they get tired of listening to you and they get tired of, you know, but, but that never happened with him. So he was doing it the right way. So, um, and then I just, I loved his dynamic with Rich Brooks and I thought that was cool. And I love, you know, love those guys. So um, yeah, that's a great question, Vinny, but I, yeah, I'd have to say Wesley. That's good stuff. I knew I had. I got to ask her about that just because, yeah. you know, you were, you were your dad's football player. You know, you wanted. Never was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, I had something else too, but I think we're now. Um, oh, I was talking to Van House too, and yeah, you know, we we talked about uh, Brady Cook and how Kentucky slowed him down. Kind of, you know, they. They gave him basically the A.J. Swan treatment. A.J. Swan was on fire coming into the Kentucky game, and he completes like 40% of his passes against Kentucky. They slowed Cook down the same way. But he was talking, you know, he does the cut-ups and he does all the breakdowns on social media and everything, and he's really big into the play before the play. Every, everybody's talking about the fake yeah. punt and all that. But he was looking at contain being broken on the play before that allows cook to run for 25 yards and puts them in position to yep. go for the fake punt. There's so many play before the play things that's gotten Kentucky in trouble this year yeah. that, you know, you look <laughs> back, Oh, this is what led to this. That's just been a gut punch. And there's been a whole lot of that this season. Uh, well, a lot of those have been penalties. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> I mean, like for real, but I mean, yeah, you do forget about the plays like cook. And mm -hmm. actually it's funny. I, I asked Dupes that question about cook. I know the rushing yards, you know, sack yards are taken into that, but his rushing numbers are down from a year ago, but uh, he's a mobile guy. He was, he hurt them on the ground last year. And mm -hmm. I asked Dupes about kind of some of the – because he talked about how he didn't like that Graham Mertz was able to move the front of the pocket uh, and make some things happen. Mm -hmm. Either it was finding receivers late or whatever. So I asked him about that, and uh, it ended up playing itself uh, into fruition. So, yeah, I think that's been – the defense I'm still – 
like not that worried about. I know the, the last two games from a points perspective aren't great, but the things that you do worry about always, it seems like with UK is uh, limiting quarterbacks in the pocket. And that, that was a huge play that they were able to do that. But yeah, like you said, play before the play on the fake punt too. It just kills me. They knew it was coming because they were in punt safe. And, and Listen, and I'm in the end zone screaming, turn around. Oh, everyone upstairs. Cause they have, you know, I know the, I know it was pretty windy. It was pretty windy, but they, was, weren't, yeah, yeah. they weren't kicking into the wind. It was like, they usually would try their, you know, Mevis is one of the better kickers in the country from deep. Yeah, probably, right. It was kind of like, why are they not trying him? It's like, oh, they're going to fake this. And yeah. that's what they did. And then, yeah. then we get, you know, you get you get your guy gets most, you know, basically. Yeah, he got pushed, like, but yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna call that, you know. And yeah, he was no. right on the line if he had really extended, but he he was just giving just enough little yep. and yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan. He gave him a little Michael Irvin push off, <laughs> a little subtle, you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what he did. Yep. That's what is what he did. And the punter threw a dime. Man. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh. <laughs> There's no doubt. I'm like that was so perfect. Everything about it for them was was yeah. perfect. And I you know I I think too it was one of those deals. I, I was impressed with Brady Cook just from a standpoint of um what I think from a mental perspective, what Kentucky did to him, their first couple of drives, and I thought, oh, okay. So then to be able to kind of, to kind of withstand that and to your point, Aaron, make adjustments, yep. uh, obviously with your coaching staff and, and help from your OCs and that kind of thing, but you made adjustments. But for him, um, he, he really started to get into that rhythm and and made it look easy. I thought in a lot of ways, he yep. there were several scores that I thought, well, he, I mean, of course they're going to score here. I mean, they just made it look easy. And um, so, you know, I think that's, that goes, that goes back to that rhythm and, you know, can, if something's not working, can you make the adjustment and then can you find it? Can you find that rhythm that, you know, will now get us going and Absolutely. really start to yeah build some momentum um, when, when it just got snatched right out from it. I mean, there they never had momentum period yeah. period until, um, you know, I felt like that fake punt. And then you're like, well, here we, you know, and, and then it was just downhill and they, they had the mental capacity to, to, to get over that. We did not. And yeah, so that's that's concerning. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, come up with it, tweak the game plan, the scheme, all that kind of stuff. But then you've also got to figure out how to, to stay more disciplined, but then also mentally and emotionally how to plug back in to this thing to understand, you know, exactly. that, that there's a level of focus you have to have that's, that's going to have to be elevated in order for this thing to be uh, to get back on the right track. Yeah. On the, on the broadcast, uh, Cole Kublik was on the sideline and he talked to drink. And in your know, drink, gave him the basically, we just got to do what we can. We got to survive the first quarter. And it sounds coach speakish because they had taken a bunch of haymakers and they were, nothing was going right, but they survived the first quarter and then like they got their legs under them. And then we know, you know, the rest is history, but that's, right. that's what you said. They had the mental ability to adjust and all yeah. that stuff. That's what he told him. We got to survive this first quarter. And then they went out and they went to work after that. And Kentucky hasn't done that all year. I mean, the first two games, I know they started a little slow against Ball State. Ball State's one and six. Like they, 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 they were going to come back. And then EKU, like that game, they had a harder time getting back into it, and they get blessed with the the mistake on special teams, punting to Barry on Brown to the short field already, and they were able to kind of get momentum. Every other game, they either started fast and buried the opponents, uh, like Vandy and uh, Florida and Akron, or they have just not responded from adversity and yeah. so they gotta look tennessee is not like 
if you get down early against Tennessee or if you, you know, give up a lead and you're down at halftime, like you can't give up on the game. I thought I don't have it in front of me, but Eli Cox had a really good quote after the game about how some of these guys just need to realize it's a four quarter game. Nothing is won in the first quarter. And you yeah. talked about there being some growing pains there. So yeah. you know, hopefully some of those, some of those words turn into actions and, uh, they got to find a way. They have Mark Soup said it all offseason. He hated the way that last year's team responded to adversity. And mm-hmm. uh, so far, this year's team's not doing that much better yet. Well, you know, that oftentimes in basketball, that you know, you think about a basketball game being a, a 40 minute game, and right. the men's game still plays, you know, two 20 minute halves, where the women's game has gone to four 10 minute quarters. I like that so much and better. <laughs> it is awesome. The men's game is missing. I agree. Of- one thousand percent is really great. It's great, um, yep. and I, I, I still cross my fingers that they'll they'll adopt. Me that. too. <laughs> Me uh, too. But, but everybody, but that's always broken down. I mean, like so, even if you are playing the twenty minute half, you're talking about let's win the first four minutes, right? Let's sure. get to the, and everybody's trying to get to the first media timeout. Let's win this period of time, and they do that. You know, so for um, for women, it's at the five minute mark. So you're right. passing through the first quarter. So you're trying to win, you're breaking it down in smaller increments and saying, let's win this. So I love what Drinkwitz was saying, which is you absolutely. Know, you know, so you lost the first quarter. Let's win the next three. And guess what? Yeah. We the so they, you know, they did <laughs> the math, math, to seven. you know, like that adds up. So oh, it sure makes sense. Yeah. 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 And I had a thought too. Um, well, let's go. You mentioned basketball. So let's, let's switch. And if I get my thought back, I guess definitely got to ask you, um, you know, madness and now media day and um, this women's team is picked 13th according to the media in the SEC. But your thoughts on the kind of team they're going to have and, and uh, you know, we've got some returners coming back and yeah. what, what, what well, can we look for? Your thoughts on what they've yeah, got? Yeah, this is, this is tough because this is um, yeah, this is a make or break year, I think, for Kyra Elzey yeah. and, and um, you know, with this team. And this will be um, la- the last couple of years, it's sort of been, there's been some unknowns and you aren't really sure. So this is a team that only won two games in the SEC last year. And um, they, I, I don't know if they've brought in what, what they need or what it will take to get past, you know, winning um, many more games than that. I hope so. I mean, like they brought in like a Brooklyn miles, who's a Kentucky kid, a Miss Kentucky basketball who's at Tennessee wasn't playing a ton there. And so they brought her in here, which I think is great because Maddie Shear is their point guard yep. uh, needs some help at that point guard position because, you know, Maddie is certainly good. Even in that off guard position can even play a three if she wants to. I mean, Maddie's talented enough to, to play anywhere on, uh, you know, outside the, the three point line. So, um, but definitely need some help there. They need some defensive help on the, on the perimeter. So I think Brooklyn brings that no question about that, but um, you know, this is, this is a, Kentucky women's basketball has notoriously, even under Matthew Mitchell, never really had a really strong post presence. They would have one, yep. right. <laughs> I mean, like you'd have, you know, you have to go back to Victoria Dunlap and Evelyn yep. Ackford and players like that. They were incredibly athletic. They were fast, um, but they were never big. I mean, you know, they were never tall. They were, you know, Victoria is about 6'1", 6'2". That's mm-hmm. about – Evelyn, I think, may have even been listed taller than what she really was. Aren't They always are. But yeah. – um, but, and they both had great careers at Kentucky and they were, they were excellent players, you know, at Kentucky. But, the, you know, in terms of having um, – and Aaliyah Boston or a player like that, like what South Carolina has, where you have really mm-hmm. have a 
through post presence offensively and defensively. Kentucky just hasn't had it. You know, they've got a little bit, they've got some size now, but they're young. I mean, the size that they're bringing in um, is young. So I, I tend to believe this could be a very tough year for them again. And I hate that for a player like Maddie Shear. You've got three missed basketballs on this team for the state of yeah. Kentucky. And um, Amia Jenkins is the other one from Anderson County and um, and along with Maddie. So, you know, that's that's a situation where you'd love to see those kids. You want to see Kentucky kids do well and play well and have a good season. And especially for Maddie, she's a senior. Um, I, I would love that for her. And I love her game. I, I absolutely love yeah, She's fun uh, to love. Yeah, she is. And I, so mm-hmm. I love her game. Um, and I know she was disappointed with last season and how that went. Anybody would be, you know, when she made that transfer in. But um, mm-hmm. you know, th- it, it will be tough. I mean, the SEC, no question, is incredibly tough every single mm-hmm. year. They always are. Um, you know, other other conferences, I think, have elevated their play as a result of the SEC kind of, um, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit. But um, it's going to be tough, guys. I mean, it is. It's going to be a really, really hard season for them, I think. And plus, you're not playing. You know, there is no Memorial Coliseum this year, right? So, yeah. you know, they play at Rupp. They'll play at Transy. They play a, a game or two at Georgetown College. Um, you know, that's that's hard. That's just hard. Um you know, because Memorial is a great environment. There's no doubt about it. I yeah, mean, for sure. It's a great environment. Oh, yeah. game. Um, you know, it gets loud. It doesn't even have to mm-hmm. be cool for it to be loud. So, yeah. Yeah. you know. No, I mean, when, when Ryan was here, the couple of the games that I went to, like, those, those were as good as atmospheres as you're oh, going to get awesome. in a small venue. Yeah. I mean, it was rocking. And uh, yes. they beat, uh, who did they play? I forget. I think it was the year that uh, COVID ended things. But it was A&M at home, and A&M was ranked. I covered yeah. that game. That, that it was rocking that night. It, it was like a Thursday night too. It yeah. was impressive. Yes, it doesn't have to be full for it to be loud. Right. And, you know, it's um, so it'll be you know interesting to see whether women's basketball fans will go to Rupp because that's you know that's very different environment for them. Sure. Um, normally, they would have a game or two that they would they would host mm-hmm. at Rupp. Would have a decent crowd, like a Louisville. They play there. Yeah. Usually a high-profile preseason game. Tennessee um, or something. Conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, so I, I just, um, you know, I love the program and I want them to do well. But I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, we're going to see this guy later on. But you know, jumping around the conference a little bit, y'all's thoughts on Shane Beamer's act with this. <laughs> Uh, you know that other like broken foot he had to let everybody know uh, about he makes me not annoyed by Dabo Sweeney like that's where it's at like and I'm really like I try I I don't know I've always like when guys come off his phone like look Tony Shane Beamer put that video out last year the goofy dancing video that um you know, Mark Stoops kind of took a shot at and whatever, but like he does stuff like that. And then you get him after a loss. I'm not, the broken foot's just silliness, but the thing with me that kills me is the accountability stuff. Cause I think that does go a long way. Like with Mark Stoops, you never have to question accountability after a loss, mm. in my opinion. Uh, and I think that goes a long way with us reporters. It goes a long way with the fans to a certain extent. I think that's why uh, some of the fans have been patient, really patient with how things are going because he has been so accountable yeah. and outright. And I think that's why they get mad at Cal more because he's not <laughs> too accountable. But with Beamer, you looked at the comments he made after the first game against UNC with the chain gain and the hot dog crew being late and that slowing their momentum at half. And then, you know, kind of throwing out how, you know, after this loss to Florida, how the coaching staff out and all these perfect, great calls, um, 
you know, defensively calling blitzes and it was all the players' fault when like they have two fresh or uh, two guys who are freshman all Americans in their defensive backfield last year, but the defensive backfield, they're the literally the 133rd third ranked pass defense and clearly there's a scheme issue because there is talent so like i don't know the non-accountability stuff with shane always gets me and then to kind of laugh off that broken foot and make a joke of it when you're two and four like i i was reading through some of the twitter comments with uh gamecock fans and they're not too happy about it and i think you know if this wouldn't be happy about it so um i don't know not a not a big shane beamer guy but uh uh, look, he, he he's had a pretty good start to his tenure there. This year's kind of been a little bit of a, a step back. I, it's one of the, I think he's one of those guys that, um, you know, we all hear him that you'll hear, you know, whether you're listening to an entire press conference or post-game, pre-game interview, whatever it is, or um, you just happen to catch a snippet of it where you're watching and go, wait, what did he say? What did he just <laughs> say? I feel like I do that a lot. Like, wait, what? And All the time. You need to go back and listen to it again and go, yeah, yeah, he really, oh, okay, he said that. Like, he put that out, whatever. I yeah. mean, you know, so it does start to have sort of a hokey kind of feel to it a little bit for me, you know, mm-hmm. where um, I'm like, huh, okay. Um, and cr- the kids, they use the term cringy these days, right? It's cringy for me, you know, where I'm like, yeah. I don't know, don't say that. Yeah. I will tell you all this funny story just because I think about, like, um, as a coach, being frustrated and actually hurting yourself um, happens, right? Because these coaches, they kind of lose it a little bit. And so I played for a Hall of Fame coach at Campbellsville University, Donna Wise, one of the best in the business to ever to ever do it at any level, really. And um, she got so mad at us one day in practice that, and I don't even remember, I don't even think we were doing anything that bad, to be honest with you. I don't think we were that terrible. We were pretty good, you know, pretty good back when I played. But anyway, she got mad at us about something and she so she had her wedding band on on her right you know on her hand on her left hand and she slammed it down on the scores table to yell at us about something and when she <laughs> did she did it so hard and at just the right spot that it actually broke her ring oh, and no. that, well you know now her her uh finger is caught in between so and she so she never said another word she just walks out she just leaves and walks out. I mean, literally, she's going to have to go, like, her finger's going to be amputated if she doesn't get this ring off. And we're all like, golly, she's that mad at us and she's freaking walking out of practice? My God, like, we're not that bad, are we? And then none of us found out until later that, yeah, she had actually had to go to the hospital to get the ring or go somewhere mm-hmm. to get the ring cut off of her finger. So that, yeah, yeah. So it, it yeah, it happens. Coaches lose their minds. But, um, but she, she didn't do a press she didn't do a press conference and say, well, I hit something that I shouldn't have. No. And- <laughs> yeah. And I, no. Yeah. No. And I think she, the thing that... No. Nah. No. Yeah, she never thing- said another word about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> she, didn't, yeah. she didn't go on fine bomb and tell America uh-uh. about it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, yeah. the, thing, no. the thing with no. press conferences too is I always appreciate any coach that's kind of like the same after winning or a loss or coming off a win or a loss. And that's something I respect for the most part with Stoops. I mean, Stoops will joke uh, after wins more than he will after a loss, but he usually yeah. has the same tone, the same, you know, he's very here and there. Like as a Giants fan right now, they're having a terrible year. The Brian Dable I listen to after they lose is the same guy when they were winning last year mid playoffs. Like I always appreciate that. So with Shane Beamer, it's just such a 180. Like there's not even it's not even close after a win and a loss. Like there's not even that balance. You could be happier and more upbeat after a win, fine. But when you're so like a totally different person, like that's where there's an issue with me. And I think yeah. uh, that's gonna catch up to him, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your Giants, I mean, it's, it's a long season. I'll get you. I'm not trying to no, it's, rub your face in it, but <laughs> that's all good. You, you had the 
I was gonna say I wish it was something to... else talking about that. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say you had to laugh, but maybe you didn't. Maybe a non-Giants fan did, but when when David Pugh in his oh, Justin says, Pugh. straight yeah. off the couch, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that was off. funny. And the game, look, they should have won that game twice over. So I'm not, oh, not yeah, yeah, but uh, no, that was really funny. And, but, yeah, that was good. But then you know, on the flip side, as a Giants fan, how do you feel when they literally, you know, sign your left tackle? Off the couch. I mean, oh, no. that can't be that. <laughs> that know, well, I, I was I was just super impressed with him because he's a, not a tackle. He's a guard. He mm. starts the game at left guard. Then the guy who's actually a guard that was having to play left tackle because our left tackle's on is hurt, gets hurt. So then they have to move Pew out to left tackle. And outside, like the first series, he was there, played a really good game, and they were at the one yard line. And yeah, that game was just. It broke my heart at the end. You, like, that was a game I went into, like, they're going to get killed. Like, I'm sorry, anyone has to watch this. And then they're sitting at the one-yard line and, you know, twice. twice and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm more mad about the first half one because that's preventable. But, you know, the one at the end of the game, there was a holding. They should have had another chance. But oh, yeah, yeah. That's either here nor there. <laughs> so, Christy, you're going to get to enjoy a bye week and maybe get your breath this weekend. But – when y'all reconvene, I'm sorry, did you say catch your breath? Is that what you oh, said? Oh, well, my, I'm sorry. I got kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought this was going to be a bye week for the media, but no, we have to go up to Northern Kentucky for the blue and of white. Course you instead do. Of of course come, you instead do. of going yeah. 10 minutes away from my apartment and go to Ross. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> no, I, I will be in St. Louis okay. with my daughter um, and her travel softball team. So my daughter and my, both my son and my daughter play travel softball and baseball. So it's wild in nice. this house. And we, yes. So my son will be in Atlanta playing baseball, and my, I'll be with my daughter in St. Louis playing softball. So yeah. Like when I text you about coming on, you were in the Hoosier State. You're in Indiana, you know, yeah. for a tournament or something. Then so yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's awesome. I love it. You know, the fall is a little different for me and a little hard for me because obviously with football for 12 weeks. Yep. Well, for 13 weeks, um, you know, out of the year, it's it's difficult for me to try to do be any help to my own family. But um, but that's OK. We all love it. And they love it as well, too. And they come to games when um, when they can and when they're here. But that's the open week has worked out the last several years that um, always allows me to go with one of the kids to be able to do it. So it, it comes at a good time for me, too. So I, I enjoy being able to, to do that. That's how I spend my summers. You ever want to know where I am in the summer? I'm, I'm at a park somewhere. Yeah sweating paying too much money for concessions mm. and um you know wishing i had well usually i don't know i do have a little something in my cup that yeah there you go that's how you survive it have a, that, right have a little something in your cup and get some oh, yeah. toasted ravioli this weekend in st louis <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so when you reconvene with with jarm and dusty mm. you know, what can everybody look forward to when y'all do the pregame countdown to kickoff for Tennessee and, and where else can they find you on SEC network or wherever, wherever else you're doing? Yeah. So if it's to listen to countdown to kickoff, you can go on UKAthletics.com. They carry it there. It's on the UK football Facebook page. We um, do a live feed there. And then um, any radio station in the state of Kentucky that is a UK affiliate will carry us. And then 
Um, if you've got the iHeartRadio app on your phone, you can listen to us anywhere. Um, but, I, you know, we'll, they're so good. These guys will go back and rewatch the game and um, they'll find yep. little nuances a lot. Like, you know, think about when you were talking about Van, that he does that. And these guys will do that as well, too. And they'll really find little nuances and find things that, um, you know, they 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 see that they didn't see the first time around. I think that's the the player in them coming out, you know, hitting the film room and really kind of breaking mm-hmm. it down. So they'll do a lot of that. And I'll, we'll be able to ask what, what did they see that went wrong? Um, but then I like to try to have some, you know, we got to stay positive and, you know, we're the home team, we're the UK network. So we definitely stay positive. Um, and so we'll try to bring that back to what did we see that we can build on? Um, you know, and then sometimes these guys, you know, Jeremy will go to practice quite a bit and he'll be able to tell us what he sees at practice. And, um, you know, as a former player, he's in the building talking to those guys and stuff. So we'll talk a little bit about all that and then they'll do a great job of getting us ready for Tennessee and what we need to look out for and who we're, you know, um, who's important for them and, um, you know, kind of how that'll all go. So um, we'll, we'll really get into some X's and O's about what they saw from, from, you know, we hate to rehash losses, but at the same time, we want to learn from it. So we want to sure. know what they see and, and um, you know, learn from those guys and they're the best. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good crew. Y'all do y'all's thing every single Saturday. Always appreciate it and enjoy it. And yeah, thanks for listening. Nature. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. So safe travels to St. Louis. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate you uh, hopping on here with AG and myself and holding it down while Jalen Whitlow is out. We'll get him back next week, hopefully. And um, we'll have another week off. Get to watch some games. Yeah, that's it. Tennessee yeah. up by Alabama a little bit. They're so killing me with this blue and white game in the middle of the Bama Tennessee. Game. That is hard. That's hard. <laughs> They're yeah. killing me with that. <laughs> it's that. It's that. Ter- you know that crossover yeah. time of year that fans love. Yeah. Anybody it's in the so media is like this brutal. Uh, brutal. I mean, yeah. once they play the actual games, like all you know, especially the cha- like the week where um, they're in the Champions Classic, so mm-hmm. I'll be in Chicago. Then I'll turn around and go to South Carolina. I'll, I'll have energy for that. That's fun to me. But like the blue and white game, an hour and a half away, it's like nope. Yes. Well, and the, the, even I think about games. You know, the women. Um, so I do some work for the SEC Network for, yeah. for SEC Plus, and so we've got some games coming up um, in November. And so there's a TBA game. Um, for the women with Tennessee. So now that we know the Tennessee tip, you know, uh, kickoff time, then they'll be setting. So that's a, we talk about a wild day there too. So if they play early, then that's got mama up early and out late. I don't know. I'm too old for that. So that'll be a long day right there. That'll be a really long day. Ooh. Oh, man. I'm getting old and broke down. Listen, 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 listen now. (laughs) Well, we can't thank you enough for hopping on here and and giving insight, knowledge, and always appreciate it. And um, we get through this bye week. And and look, we got to come out the same way against Tennessee, but just sustaining. We'll see if we learn how to sustain for for 60 minutes. That's it. That's it. As long as it's a dub on the other side, that's all that matters. Exactly. (laughs) Now, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's good talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Christy. Christy Thomas, UK Sports Network, SEC Network. Been doing her thing. Campbellsville, Hooper, Hall of Famer. So, good stuff from her. Oh, Man, hate you got to go up there. I, I like the I like the fact that it's going. No, I like I like it too. I, I'm I, just I kind of messing. It's a personal problem. I do like it. I think 
I'm a little salty. It's not what like if they're gonna do it, I was hoping for Western Kentucky because they did do Eastern last year. And then obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Western's had some issues where or with weather that you know could do some fundraising down there, but it, it's still a cool opportunity. There's plenty of Kentucky fans up in the northern part of the state, um, uh southern Ohio. So it, it'll be a cool atmosphere, I'm sure. I've never been I've driven through NKU's campus. I've never been in the arena or anything. So it, I'll, I'll enjoy it more once I get there and uh, yeah. we get going. But I, I don't know what we're really going to get to see in this game. I mean, we should see um, <clears throat> Big Z, I guess. But other mm-hmm. than that, uh, there are a lot of questions, man. I mean, at Pro Day, it do went down. So I don't know what's up with yeah. that. So we'll see. It, it Well, typically, historically, it's, it's more basketball than you get at Madness. Oh, like, yeah. I don't even – there's no point in covering Madness just because yeah. there's not <laughs> – Basketball or yeah. interviews or anything like that. Yeah. Madness was is you know suspect. It, it became like NBA All Star game, and yeah. I, I loved NBA All Star game, but now I'm to the point I'm like, oh come on, let's let's at least hoop a little bit. But uh, yeah, they need to spice up madness, man. They really do. And I, you know, I didn't go this year, but I talked to some of the other media guys and just fans who went and they're like, man, it was disappointing. Like, I'll be honest, it was disappointing. So uh, and I get like the main objective of it is to have all these recruits in the building and have them together and all that. So, you know, Kentucky, from a coaching staff perspective, they're they're doing their job. They're doing madness right. But from a fan's perspective, I feel like they're it's it's. Not the coaching staff, just the university. They got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a little baseball, real quick. Um, yeah. You being a Yankees fan, I, I got to definitely throw this at you. And me being a maybe, maybe a petty Braves fan, I don't know, because to oh. me, the, the NL East hatred is the same as the NFC East hatred. You know, I, I, hate, sure. the, I hate the Phillies the same as I hate the Eagles, pretty much. Yep. You know, the Nationals, the Mets, you know, we all. No, I don't know what you mean. So, yeah, the um, the Phillies, of course, they've knocked us out the past two years. They're halfway there to get into the World Series. Yeah, they're going to get they're, there. They're dominating <laughs> Arizona. Yeah, they're gonna Last get night, they just teed off on them. But Cal Schwarber, well, let me preface it. You you look at the, the NFL's leading passers, to, you know, and there's. Uh, my host TB and I were talking about the other day, you know, like, like Kerry Collins and, and Matt Ryan are ahead of Johnny Unitas and, and sure. Joe Montana and stuff like that. Kyle Schwarber tied Reggie Jackson for postseason homers by a left-handed hitter. The, the numbers do not, you, you can't put them in the same sentence. You can't impress me by saying, well, he's hit 18 postseason homers like Reggie Jackson has. I hate the Yankees, but Cal Schwarber is no Reggie Jackson. First of all, no. you got 15,000 rounds of playoffs. You get a wild card game. Oh, oh don't you, even get me started. You get an NLDS. NLDS. I hate it. I hate look, it. I hate it. I hate it. Everything look, about it. Look at all those at-bats he's got. He's had way more chances. Yeah. Look, Reggie had to win the East or yeah. win the West it's when he was a, in it Oakland. Was a four, it was a 14 playoff, literally. Yeah, win the pennant in the worst yeah, So exactly. If I, he played today, he'd have way more than 18 absolutely. home runs. So. Yeah, no, I just – I hate the new format, everything about it. My favorite format was the four teams where you have a wild card and three division winners. That was how I liked it because mm-hmm. I think – one, I don't, I didn't like the wild card game because your your game shouldn't come down to one season. You play 162, so mm-hmm. at least I, if you're going to have a six or a five, I'll take the six because at least it eliminates the one game playoff. Mm-hmm. But the six, my issue with the six, and your Braves learned the lesson. My Yankees almost did last year. 
<laughs> it is an advantage for the teams that played. It really is. Like these teams have momentum. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, we just played. We played great. We're moving on. All right. While the Braves, the Dodgers, um, who's the other team that got knocked right away this year? Baltimore. They're mm-hmm. all sitting on their couch and just waiting and waiting and anticipating. And nerves are probably building, especially for Baltimore, who's a really young team. Yeah. Like that's not an advantage, in my opinion. You got to figure a way. If you're going to do it, you just got to figure a way where, like, it, like, there's a clear momentum for the team that just won. And I think last year, um, I know the Yankees won coming up, but uh, the, the Braves got bounced and the, the Dodgers got bounced as well last year. So it hurt the same thing hurt them last year. The Yankees had their backs against the wall and they were in game five against Cleveland. So this year was three out of four, the wild card teams getting through um, last year was two of the four. Like uh, there should be a more of a reward for winning. Uh, and again, the Braves, they got to be accountable. They can't let that happen. And yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And same with the Dodgers, but mm-hmm. like, there's no reason that, these 100 win teams, all of them lost. Like, there's something wrong. Like, the Dodgers and Braves were much better than every other team that's still in the playoffs during the regular season. And look, the Phillies are a good matchup, but again, something with the format. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to let your Braves fully off the hook. I'm sure no, you're no. mad at, I'm sure you're mad at them too. Yeah. But why is it not the highest seed not playing the lowest seed? Like, the mm-hmm. Phillies are the four seed. Why are they mm-hmm. not going to LA and then you guys getting Arizona? I mean, it'd be one thing if Milwaukee won and you get Philly as the four, but like, it, I, I don't know. There's a lot that doesn't make sense to me, and I don't like the new format at all. I, I, I get the idea of it because you want more fan bases excited and tickets being sold and whatever, but like the execution's terrible. Yeah, because you know the old days when it was four divisions, I didn't care for that because you know yeah, second, too, second place team could win 101 games and have nothing to show nah, for it. You exactly. Know, the Braves did the Giants that way a few years with you know with Barry Bonds and them, but you know the 2019 Nationals, you know they they come in hot. The, the Royals in 2014, 2015, sure. you can eke in at 84 and 78, but you're hot because you've been you've been in survival mode for yeah. a month and a half to even <laughs> be there, and so you're gonna. And 84 the, wins didn't get you in until the six. Like right, I know, like right. the Cardinals won 83 <laughs> games of the year. They won their division and then won yeah, the World oh, Series, yeah. but like. 84, like the Yankees in 2014, which was Derek Jeter's last year, they missed the playoffs. They won 84. Like, there's no way the mm-hmm. Diamond, like, a credit to what the Diamondbacks did in, in LA and in Milwaukee, they deserve to be mm-hmm. where they're at now. But, like, they won 84 games. Like, they shouldn't even be enough. I don't know. I hate it. I hate everything. You got me started, Vinny. I hate the I format. Couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't. No, help I'm glad you did. No, it's good. Yeah. I've been waiting I, to air this out. I hate the Yankees, but I'm, I'm, def- I'm, Railing against Kyle Schwarber because he just tied Yankee legend. Yeah, Reggie and Jackson. look, Jose Altuve just broke, or not Altuve, Correa, he just broke a big record. That was Derek Jeter's. Uh, mm. I'm going to get you the record that he broke. But, like, Carlos Correa ain't doing – even – I know Derek Jeter played during the 14 format, but, you yeah. know, Correa is playing all these extra playoff games as well. Um, it, 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 I don't know. It just – it drives me nuts. And – I hope they find a way to fix it. I don't think they will. Yeah, so uh, he moved ahead of Derek Jeter and David Ortiz on the all-time uh, postseason RBI list. Oh, and, like, there's no way that should happen that fast. And I know he's been in the playoffs, like, every year with Houston, but still. Like, yeah. I, it just – I don't know. I hate the new format. I hate – I really don't like any of the – four. I like I like – I don't have anything against Arizona or Texas, but, like, I hate Philly. I hate um, – I hate Houston. So mm-hmm. it kind of, and that's, 
I, I know Texas was up 2-0, but Houston's winning tonight. It's gonna be yeah. Philly. It's gonna be Philly Houston again, and I'm, I'm probably gonna have room for Philly. I, I like the Phillies. The thing is, I like the Phillies players this year. But I and they're like that Bryce Harper. I love Bryce Harper. I know he kind of killed you guys, but I do love his yeah. game. I wanted him to be a Yankee. I like a lot of their players, but like the city of Philadelphia. Uh, not not the not the city, just the fans of Philadelphia. They don't. They got. They're spoiled right now. They don't need this. They don't need mm-hmm. this. That's it. So yeah, Houston's getting back into this. They're gonna yeah. make it a series. They're gonna weasel their way into the world. <laughs> it's gonna be them in Philly, and yeah, we'll see what happens there. That's my guess. I mean, yeah. hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Texas finds a way. Yeah, but maybe you know, Arizona was cute. It's that series is already <laughs> over. Absolutely. So good stuff, man. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, by week, and you know we'll yeah, see we'll what everybody else is doing, and then get back to Tennessee next week and see what they do if they're coming in off a loss or whatever down in Tuscaloosa, and uh, get Jalen Whitlow back hopefully, and we'll we'll do what we do again. Thanks again to Christy Thomas. Uh, she always does great stuff, and. Appreciate everybody takes the time to listen. We're on here on YouTube. Got more and more people subscribing on Twitter as well. So y'all can watch us or listen. Lead.com, wherever you get your podcast, we'll be there as well. And appreciate everybody that's Sea of Blue. They always put it up on the site. Uh, all the followers on Facebook and Twitter get to see it on there as well. So uh, appreciate you at the Cat's Paws, man. And uh, You'll have real basketball soon. So oh, sorry about this exhibition you got to go to. You still got George. <laughs> Maybe it'll end up worth it. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I just wish it wasn't in the middle of a football Saturday that I'm off. That's all. Mm-hmm. Last it. year was a wedding on the on a football Saturday. It was often yeah, that was fun. So it was all right. But yeah, uh, yeah. And when you get married, man, don't don't get married in football season at all. Never. No. I, My anniversary is no. in. Anniversary's in August. There's not it's barely even preseason yeah. football. No, we've already had this conversation. When the time comes, it will be in the summer. Yes, that sir. is a non-negotiable. Absolutely, <laughs> man. I wouldn't having people coming nope. in a fall Saturday. You know, I'm not ruining people's. Yeah, I already see this game because oh, I already have to. Ready. At least it's not fall, but I already have to miss the um, Alabama basketball game at home this year for a wedding. And it's oh, my, it's my girlfriend's cousin, and their their mom their moms are twins, so like it's a you know it's a cousin that's almost like a sister. So I'll be there. I'll be excited to be there when I'm there. But I am mm-hmm. a little salty. I'm missing that that Bama game. I understand. We've all been there and had to had to be somewhere and be happy and, and enjoy being there, but hate what we're missing. Uh, yep. It'll yep. It, you know it'll be right here and. I'll be texting everyone that's covering the game to get a vibe check. So, absolutely. Well, enjoy your weekend, man. You and too, my man. For Anger Shaw, my name is Vinny Hardy. Thanks again to Christy Thomas for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.